Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Tuesday's episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. We're going to do this first segment with Steve Gorham. We had some more information than we wanted to cover, having to do with all the global warming and the climate change and how we're all going to suffer, not from the weather, but all of the costs involved that government's going to hit us with. And then we'll have to figure out whether we can afford to live here or not. We'll discuss those things after inspiration. Our inspiration today is on finding life. It was a natural step for Brett to attend a Christian college and study the Bible. After all, he'd been around people who knew Jesus his whole life, at home, at school, at church. He was even gearing his college studies towards a career in Christian work. But at age 21, as he sat with the small congregation in an old country church and listened to a pastor preach from 1 John, he made a startling discovery. He realized that he was depending on knowledge and the trappings of religion and that he'd never truly received salvation in Jesus. He felt that Christ was tugging at his heart that day with a sobering message, You don't know me. The Apostle John's message is clear. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We can overcome the world, as John puts it, only by belief in Jesus, not knowledge about him, but deep, sincere faith demonstrated by our belief in what he did for us on the cross. That day, Brett placed his faith in Christ alone. Today, Brett's deep passion for Jesus and his salvation are no secret. It comes through loud and clear every time he steps behind the pulpit and preaches as a pastor, my pastor. God has given us eternal life. Whoever has the Son has life. For all who have found life in Jesus, what a comforting reminder that is. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation and for those who pointed us to our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, those who have the Son have life. Yes, that is in our religion. We believe in the renewal of eternal life in Jesus Christ, but also those who have the Son created by God is going to see life because the sun is the one that decides the temperature that decides it's warm how much uh yeah how warm it's going to be so the sun is the biggest part of our climate we've talked about that with steve gorham in the past he's back with us again for the first segment on today's show and you know we should look at the sun for more things than obviously just solar energy but our crops and all the things that we're going to lose and we tear out the dams but uh, i wanted to talk more about the electric vehicle phenomena because Steve, you you sent me some graphs and some bullet points on what I saw happen. Basically, a couple weeks ago, it was announced that Ford and GM, uh, as well as Toyota, were going to go ahead and look at, uh, you know, their hybrid models, but they were going to stop their EV productions in a lot of places because even with all the government subsidies, it wasn't working out. Yeah, that's true. This uh, this last year, 2023, the uh, by the way, uh, great to join you again, Tim and Shannon. The electric vehicle industry has hit a speed bump, so to so to speak. Inventories are piling up on dealer lots at GM and Ford. They're up over 300%. It appears that the, the EV pickup trucks really aren't doing very well. The pickup truck uh, market doesn't seem to be too interested. Ford Motor is losing between 40000 and 60000 on each electric vehicle sold. And uh, the numbers aren't quite out yet, but they're estimating a $4.5 billion 
dollar loss from their electric vehicle business last year. Four and a half billion and dollar loss in electric four vehicles. Four and a half billion. Unreal. Yeah. Well, of course, people don't want the electric trucks because, I mean, obviously they, you know, huge batteries, huge expense. Every person in construction knows that the the guy that owns the construction company that has a fleet of trucks, many of the people that will be the second owner of those trucks are his employees. And of course, no one wants to be the second owner of an EV truck, especially when you're going to see how far you can drive diminish. But even if you can go 300 miles on a charge, as soon as you add a trailer and some concrete and a few other things, you're not going to get to the job site. Yeah, and they're really heavy too. Those those EV pickups. The the electric vehicles actually should be paying more in road tra- road taxes than gasoline cars because they're fifty percent heavier on average. And the the EV pickups are really heavy. Uh, twenty twenty three Ford F one fifty gasoline uh, truck weighed forty six hundred pounds, a big vehicle. But the uh, Ford F one fifty Lightning electric vehicle sixty five hundred pounds. Wow. The Rivian R1, the Rivian R1T, 7,100 pounds, and the Chevy Silverado, 8,500 pounds. 8,500 pounds for the pickup truck. So, uh, it's a, what, what's a the payload after that? Truck. <laughs> a, a four-ton pickup truck. A four-ton pickup truck. So, yeah, that's that's a, a big, big vehicle. So, so the new that's going to be a really bad accident. Well, there's that too, the bad accidents with electric vehicles. That's not actually in this, except we did talk about the insurance costs. Yeah, we do, and and uh, the problem is that uh, when these things get into a get into a collision, uh, and there's minor damage to the vehicle to the uh, battery, the battery has to be replaced. You can't just take part of it off, and it could cost twenty thousand dollars. And so uh, repairs are very expensive. And uh, well, the insurance uh, being seventy two percent higher that you pointed out here in the U.S. for the EVs. Yep. It's because of like that battery replacement cost, but also I'm understanding minor damage to these batteries and maybe the um, introduction of moisture into these batteries can cause instantaneous fires that are very, very difficult they to can. extinguish. Yeah, there was there was one happened this summer in, uh, near Elk Grove. A guy was driving a Tesla. It started to shake. He pulled over to the side of the road and it burst into flames. He got out. He was not able to get the uh, child seats out of the back seat. And he was pleased his kids weren't with him at the time. And we just had uh, this, this last week, we had two buses in London, electric buses that spontaneously combusted. Uh, they were just sitting there. One of them was full of people and, and uh, all the people got off. Nobody was hurt. But, uh, you know, these things, they completely burned to the ground. I mean, there's there's not much left when they're done. So... I'm seeing that along the highways where electric vehicles have burned. They don't, like an older, uh, well, in 90s or 2000s gas vehicle, uh, you might see a little mark on the roadway, whereas an EV burns, it it doesn't just leave a mark on the roadway. It destroys that patch of asphalt. Yeah, you know what they're doing in Netherlands? They have a, uh, when they got an electric vehicle that's burning, they have this tank that they, that they, uh, that they take to the site, they fill it with water, and then they have a crane that picks up the EV and puts it in a tank of water. <laughs> they found that's the most successful way to uh, to put out a fire. If this, if they just spray it, it'll it'll it can burn for hours or keep reigniting. Well, and they reignite to where uh, I think the towing companies now, in a lot of places, have learned they don't want an EV in their storage lots because then the surrounding vehicles could catch fire. Because these things that if they're in a wreck. You put them in your impound lot or your storage lot, you're now increasing, you know, your liability of all the vehicles surrounding that EV. Yeah, there's a, there's just a number of issues. The other thing that's kind of crazy is that uh, 
People, don't, people think electric vehicles are environmentally friendly uh, because of the carbon dioxide emissions are supposedly uh, less, but they don't realize that uh, electric vehicles have other environmental and social problems. And that's because uh, electric vehicles require about six times the, the metals of a gasoline car, according to the International Energy Agency. Well, that's why they're uh, so heavy, perfect. right, is all those extra metals yep. that have to be put into the, the batteries. Battery. Graphite, copper, nickel, manganese, cobalt, and lithium, and they all go into the battery. Uh, and so where do these metals come from? Well, they're mined primarily in developing nations. For example, cobalt uh, uh, is produced in the Democratic Republic of Congo, the biggest producer of cobalt in the world, about 35%. From this, I'm looking and at a picture here that you have from a CBS news report from, CBS. from 2018 where there's children that are, are literally digging through mud, mining yep. this cobalt. Yeah, they pull the ore out, so they use child labor and they use uh, uh, forced labor. Child and labor the and forced refiner, labor. The biggest, the biggest refiner of metals is China. And so the ore is shipped to China typically. And then in China, they have vast areas. I got another picture there of Rare Earth Lake, where as far as you can see in every direction for miles, the land has been polluted by metal tailings from, from metal processing. And then it goes into a battery and it comes to the U.S. and somebody buys an a, uh, EV and says, wow, this is <laughs> it's really environmentally friendly, you know, but they don't see the, uh, the social damage in uh, the Congo and the uh, pollution in uh, China. Well, not only the pollution in China and, the, you know, the slave labor and, and the child labor in Congo, but you also have, like you said, they're ship, shipping all of these rare earth minerals to be processed. Also, you know, they're going to yep. be pollutants when they're processed, but they're taking them across the ocean on ships that burn, you know, what, 2,000 gallons of diesel an hour? They burn quite a bit. Yeah, the, the big thing is the battery production. That, that's very electricity and... and uh, energy intensive and so if you sell your ev prior to 100,000 miles you have used you've emitted more carbon dioxide emissions than an equivalent gasoline car yeah so and it's only after a long period that you catch up and and uh, do better on, on uh, emissions as well and also depends it, where you live probably in washington it's a little better because you use more uh, hydropower hydropower yeah yeah, well, then, if you're in the Mid East with all those coal plants, it, yeah. it takes a long, long time. If you're in the middle, the, uh, the Midwest, it takes a long, long time to catch up. That's right. Well, yeah, because you, you're get, not getting your electricity from hydropower. Uh, there isn't yeah. enough production in in solar or wind. So you've got to, if we're going to have all these EVs, uh, you know, mandated on us by government, you're going to have to, you know, put more coal fire plants online and burn natural gas f to create the electricity to, to service those electric vehicles. Uh, and more and more, they'll have to be more brought online because they don't last as long. Just like I said, that vehicle that brought me to the studio, you know, 20, you know, some years old, still moving just fine. But all these uh, vehicles are going to be scrapped, piling up everywhere. Probably go back to China to be put in landfills or something. I'm not quite sure. So <laughs> when we talk about uh, the energy, I got uh, one last question here. Uh, you warn about the transnational energy shocks. What do you mean by that with the green uh, energy breakdown? Right. So this, this is all discussed in my book, uh, The Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure, uh, which talks about the energy transition that is being forced on the world by world leaders to try and go from uh, coal, oil, and natural gas to wind, solar, and biofuels and other things. 
uh, Europe is is still at the tail end of what I call a transnational energy shock. Uh, their natural gas prices are roughly double. Their electricity prices are triple of, of what they were two or three years ago. In the United Kingdom, they're they're telling people uh, to bathe less, to save energy, or to shower with a friend. Shower which, with a friend, which, huh? Which sounds like fun, but uh, we have people literally there that are going to bed early to save energy, and they're putting up newspaper on the inside of their windows to try and insulate and save energy. So there's been a real loss of standard of living there. Uh, but folks ought to get my book, Green Breakdown. They can get it from my website, Steve Gorham, G-O-R-E-H-A-M dot com, and I'll send them a signed copy. And uh, there are ebooks, and, and on, it's on Amazon as well. It was uh, actually number one several times in the last couple months in the energy policy, uh, ca- Amazon's energy policy category. So it's doing pretty well. Doing pretty well there, it's yeah. Also, it's, also, it's also a lot of fun. I have 150 color sidebars with all kinds of crazy things that are in the press. Like there was an article in the New York Times that said, uh, stop global warming, everyone should mate with short people. Why is that? And then there was a a lecturer in Sweden who is advocating that we eat human flesh to stop global warming. Oh, gross. No. He he literally uh, polls his audience at the end of his lecture to see how many would like to try human flesh or be willing to try. There's there's another uh, article about a uh, a cosmetic surgeon in California who is taking the... uh, the tissue from his patients and boiling it down and making fuel to run his vehicles. Uh, he actually was prosecuted. But anyway, so Green Breakdown is full of, and, and my other color paperbacks as well, full of all these interesting things about the climate and these crazy things about energy that the world is trying. Well, and I, I see that, you know, you've, you've sent me this other piece about the large drop in Europe's standard of living and basically yeah. the, the new local newspapers have put out things in places like Hungary where there's an energy, energy crisis asking the question, will Hungarian schools be heated with wood? Yeah, they literally were taking out gas furnaces. Part of this was because Russia was no longer shipping gas to Europe and they didn't have enough natural gas. And by the way, uh, the United States kept the lights on basically in Europe last year, so, uh, shipping large amounts of liquefied natural gas. But they were pulling gas furnaces out of schools and putting in wood-burning furnaces. Uh, they also established limits for the amount, uh, how low you could set your temperatures in your buildings or businesses in the summer and how high you could heat them in the winter. I don't know how they enforce those, but... Uh, uh, but well, people are getting very high energy bills. And very it's, high. It's not the, a laughing matter. CNN Business, this article that you sent me, which was uh, in uh, 2022, a third of Brits face poverty with energy bills set to hit $5,000. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's not a laughing matter. So, uh, and, and Europe has set their, they've set their own, uh, they've made their own bed with this because they closed more than 100 nuclear plants in the last two decades They've gone heavily into wind and solar, and uh, they were importing all their natural gas. And then when, when the gas isn't there or the wind doesn't blow, uh, there's no way to turn up the energy from wind. There's no way to turn up the energy from solar. You have to have reliable sources uh, when you have cold weather or you have an embargo or a war or you have a heat wave. 
And so uh, the world is really going crazy about uh, over these renewables, and, and it's, it's very, very bad policy. Well, it sure had people going crazy in the northwest region because our power companies, when we had those record low temperatures a week ago, we were all told to turn down the heat, don't use the electricity, <laughs> and these standards that the government is putting on our energy producers is literally going to leave us out in the cold. You know what else will leave us in the cold? We have, it just came to, just came to my mind. So we have a, a Canadian company, it's called TC Energy, that supplies us with our natural gas from, from Canada. And our own okay. attorney general, Ferguson, filed a suit, I do believe I read a couple months ago, against that Canadian gas supplier to stop the expansion to provide additional supply. So here in Washington, the, we're the, in for a big and, hurt. And, it's and, coming, guys. Come on. And that's the company that said they were having issues providing us enough natural gas, which is why we were told to set our thermostats many degrees lower. Don't wash your clothes, don't use your dryer, take short showers or don't take one at all. This is the insanity that the policymakers want to bring to us. So that's why you got to go to ledge.wa.gov, tell your lawmakers that the green insanity needs to end and you're going to find information to back those claims up. If you go to stevegorham.com, get green breakdown and let's start standing up to the insanity so that we can stay warm next winter. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you guys. Till the next time. Yes. Thank you, Steve. Take care. Thank you to all the listeners that listen to the show so we can all stay informed on what's going on here on the Right Spokane Perspective. We also want to thank all those who contribute to keep us on the air. All those contributions go directly to the cost of our airtime and production of Right Spokane Perspective. Again, you can help us out by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and contributing. Also, make those checks payable to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, Send them to P.O. Box 7620-99207. We appreciate all those contributions to keep us on the air. Again, rightspokaneperspective.com, rightspokaneperspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620-99207. Back to the show. All this green policy is costing us a fortune, as you heard from Steve Gorham, and, and it keeps costing us more and more. We have a state government that is in session. They have a supplemental budget. They are looking to spend all the money they stole from us. I mean, took or charged us in taxes last year. And we see our government failing financially in a lot of different ways, but they're also failing to protect us in times of crisis. And you know, looking at this green breakdown, this energy, as Shannon was just reminding me during the break, that we've got all these electric buses. And if we do have mass power outages, one of the things that government has done in the past is when there's a natural disaster and people need to be moved, these emergencies that occur, and of course we've had our, our past local sheriff in talking about emergency response, they use the local busing system to transport people out of areas of emergency. And of course, part of that emergency, if it's a power outage, then I guess we're not going to be able to transport people to safety. So this transition to these electric buses that, by the way, can also catch fire and do grave damage to our infrastructure. And of course, how do we insure them? It's going to cost us more insurance money to insure these electric buses as they age. And then, of course, we used to have buses that we sold 
to third world countries so that they could have vehicles. We would transport these uh, old city buses to other areas and other regions, but nobody's going to want these used electric buses. Because they can't afford the batteries. That's right. They can't afford the batteries. Where are they going to buy a battery? And they don't have anywhere to plug them in. They don't have the the grid to to do that. So we're really seeing insanity play out right in front of us. And a lot of it is fiscal insanity. We're going into debt, subsidizing, not just wind energy and solar, but we're going into debt, subsidizing debt. When you look at the national, everyone wants to pay attention to the national debt, you know, $32, $33 trillion. What is our state and local governments doing? We saw that the California budget is in crisis. I think their budget is uh, short about what the whole entirety of Washington state budgets is, right? So you have states that are in debt. They have bonded indebtedness at all these municipal levels, and they just keep spending the money. Our state legislature is in session they should be looking at every single thing that they're spending money on that's not important, whether it's the DEI stuff or all the activism and the nonprofits that are pushing all sorts of different ideologies, the universities that are teaching radicalism, that they, if they just went back to teaching basic curriculum, we wouldn't have morons coming out of colleges that think that their electric car is going to save the planet. We just covered that it's not. And you're talking about audits. We've we've been talking about audits, auditing of programs uh, to make sure that the money is being used for what it should be being used for. You and I were talking just a couple weeks ago about the legislature and, and what kind of changes would be helpful for Washington State. And I think one of the things that we had really talked about was going through and every two years having a session or having not every two years, but every other session is a session to audit the bills and the laws that were put in place the session before. Right. To see if the laws are working or not. And what we see is that it takes activist groups or lobbyists and they just pile on more and more laws instead of correcting laws, getting rid of programs that don't work, making sure that the or programs that don't uh, aren't accountable for the money that they were given. Right. Yeah. I mean, because we have a lot of if that. If you're spending almost a million dollars per homeless person in this state, I think you've got a problem. I, I think I think, think you've got a budget problem. I, I think so. And and we don't have a legislature that's doing that. And our legislature, maybe we need a citizen's initiative that forces the legislature to audit itself every other session. So maybe your long session is uh, where they, you know, try to fulfill their political promises and legislation to the people that fund their campaigns, because we know that's what it really is. And then the next session, they have to audit those things so that they can balance the state budget and not just tax the daylights out of us more for wasted money. It would create accountability in more ways than one, not only financial spending, but also in the people that we elect to go to Olympia to put these things in place. Did they do what they said they were supposed to do? And did the laws that they got passed together as a body... Did it, did it increase the the availability of of being able to live in Washington State, or are we still pricing people out and across the border oh, over to we're, Idaho? We're totally pricing people out of being in Washington. The only problem is the states that you want to move to. There's such a demand to get out of places like California and Washington and New York and and you know just socialist 
garbage heaps of, of governments, people are escaping because they see the waste. You know, they see the cost of living increasing, but they see the conditions of living being diminished. There's more crime. There's more garbage. There, and, and these folks just keep on pushing narratives. I mean, idiot Inslee, I mean, Governor Jay Inslee, he put out all this stuff on climate change. He's going and meeting with these climate change people. He is acting like the state whistleblower that came out and said that he lied to the citizens on the taxes. He just lied to us again and said, oh, no, and he doesn't want it overturned, even though the citizens, I think, are going to be wanting it overturned. We're tired of paying money for stupid. That's what we're paying more money for. Our state government has exploded. Nationally, you want to look at COVID and where all of our money, where the debt that our great, 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 great grandchildren will still be paying off while our country becomes a third world country, they're spending the money in very irresponsible ways. And when you look at like the unemployment numbers, they talk about how great Biden and how great Inslee and how great these people are. When you look at the employment numbers, well, the problem with that is that the employment numbers only look good because the people that were out of work for COVID have gradually come back to the workplace and they don't talk about all the people on welfare and subsidy programs that will never be back in the workforce again. The problem with the employment numbers is that the government is adding 50,000 new jobs in government every month. So that's a fake number when you look at the jobs created. Well, normally government doesn't create that many jobs because the private sector is the one that does that. But when the government is creating that many more jobs, what are these people doing other than snooping on citizens, uh, harassing citizens, or maybe they're just fraudulently an employee and they're taking up money and not really producing anything for the taxpayers and the people that are going into debt on all this government spending? I don't know, but I think that that idea that we had about auditing auditing the bills and auditing the things that they have put in place. I think it should start at the city level and the county level and the state level and the federal level level. and let's take it to the white house. Well, and that's the thing with all of these budgets that they're passing federal and state level is they're not auditing really how these programs are working. They're not auditing how the, the money's being spent. They just do continuing resolutions. They just pass another spending bill that the congressional congressional budget office or whoever puts these spending bills together, they just want more money. The agencies just ask for more money. They don't do zero-based budgeting. They say, oh, we've got to waste this money so that we can get just as much or more next year as as a state or government agency. So that they're wasteful at a time where more and more people are struggling they're, they're trying to deal with inflation and the largest inflationary cost that we're all paying is the growth of government. And it's our elected representatives that are supposed to be stopping that growth of government, that extra cost that we're not able to pay for. So, I mean, eventually we are going to devolve into a third world country if we keep down this path of debt not servicing the debt properly, and then adding more expense on things that don't create value. When you think about gross domestic product, we've added a lot of things to that that actually don't create long-term values. And so we actually have a gross domestic product that I think is going to be waning in the future, especially with things like AI. We just saw Google, you know, the president said, well, you miners and 
you in construction industries and you laborers need to go learn how to code. Remember at the beginning of his administration? Yeah. Well, Google just laid off 30,000 employees. That, that went and learned how to code. That went and learned how to code because AI is now doing the coding. So we've got to bring those jobs back, but we've got to get rid of many government jobs. Well, and I think there's there's lots of areas to bring those jobs back. And uh, several weeks ago, we were talking about how uh, local businesses with there was three million dollars of uncollected tax. Accountability, accountability, accountability. We have areas where that money can be recouped. We have areas where that money can be put so that it's not continually coming out of residents' pockets. They're trying to keep warm clothes on their kids, food on their tables, and their Avista bills paid so they have heat when it's negative degrees outside. Yeah, that sure would be nice to have heat, but that's okay. We don't have to worry about that because we're going to switch over to not using natural gas we're not going to have power generation. Instead, we'll just be in the corner of our little single bedroom apartments that are provided by government huddling with our fake stuffed pet. Puppy. Socialism does not work in the real world. I'll just remember that. Yeah, we've already got the results back on that. Study. You can vote your way into it, but you'll have to shoot your way out. That's right. All right. That's uh, the end of today's show, folks. Again, go check out Steve Gorham's website. That's stevegorham.com and the Green Breakdown. And, you know, let's talk to our elected leaders at the state level, at the federal level, and tell them to stop the insanity, stop spending money in insane ways, and start respecting the people that are footing the bill. We'll be with you folks again tomorrow. And remember, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.